at any point of time, right, have you thought of like, why don't you just sell the business and retire? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was their plan to sell it. But but obviously, legacy, I think, is very important in Asian cultures, right? It's tradition, right? They started it and they just want continuation. Legacy is something that cannot really be described. It's the pride, some ego involved. But yeah, to, to run a multi-generational business is difficult. Welcome to the Two Cents Podcast. Would you introduce yourself a little? Yeah, sure. My name is Brian Su. I'm the uh, current Chief Innovation Officer at Firefighter Industry. Uh, Firefighter Industry is a, is a 47-year-old fire safety company. It's actually a family business. So currently now I'm the second generation slated to take over it in the next few years. Lah. Cool. So we're going to talk a little bit more or like the title will be surrounding from how we meet all the way until what you're currently doing. Yeah, so. I think that's a very nice long journey. <laughs> long. I, think, I think it's going to be an interesting one because it's quite different. So mm-hmm. we meet each other from a startup weekend with all these exciting ideas, trying mm-hmm. to build a startup. So tell me a little bit more about that whole idea, right? Like how do you come up with the idea of Nom Nom? And then from ideation to winning our very first startup weekend. And then the hype got so real where we even gotten like, a 60,000 investment offer yeah. right then, right? What's, what's the journey like for you? Like, how, how do you come up with the idea and how do you take it? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I don't think I've told many people this, but how, what happened was that one day I was just, I felt, so so I feel myself with competition a lot. So meaning that when I see someone doing this, I, I feel threatened and I, I tend to want to be on par or go further. So what happened was that I, I, I think I read some sort of uh, article about how Facebook raised their I don't know what round here and there. A lot of money involved and I thought that, wow, that's a very interesting hypergrowth story. Lah. So I felt threatened in a way that, more, more not threatened, but more like I want to go for this, right? Competitive, yes. Maybe that's a better word. So I just Googled startup, startup events near me and somehow the link for Startup Weekend Magic popped up. Forgot mm-hmm. how I actually came... Uh, upon it but then I, I think it was only one week before it started and I said like, okay I just sign up like, right no harm mm, yep. so honestly went in without any expectations right pretty overwhelmed I don't know anything about startups in terms of how, how to pitch or anything zero right went in there I think there was oh, 70 70 other people if I'm not mistaken so it was Magic's first startup weekend Got there, wow, I was nervous because I'm very bad at public speaking, always very nervous. So uh, I don't really believe that, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was, it, I really am still quite bad at uh, public speaking. But what happened was that we had to pitch our ideas, right? So everyone gets a chance to pitch and basically all the participants get to choose their favorite idea. Yep. So I was very nervous and I waited until the end, almost the end. To, to pitch the idea I had. This idea was very fresh. Lah. Just, you know, I had my problem of don't know where to eat. My thought an app, app can help that because back then app, apps were all the hype, right? People were just making apps here, left, right, center. Yeah, so just pitched it and surprisingly, people liked the idea. Basically, the app is helping you choose. It's a Tinder for food. Lah. <laughs> yeah, so glad that we were one of the top few that got chosen to, be, to go to the next stage. I, I think uh, a lot of great minds joined the team to this idea. Sean, you're one of them. And we also had Sharifa and, and Alex, a lot of great people in the team. Naz, yeah. I guess that's how we won, right? We were having good constructive comments and, and, and just good discussions for the next 54 hours. 
the group of people that we met is like truly talented. Like I still yes. look up to them very much yes. till now. Mm-hmm. So, like, do you think it's a failure? I think it. In a lot of sense, it was a failure at that point because it didn't mm-hmm. go anywhere. I mean, to mm-hmm. make it blunt, like, it didn't go anywhere, right? We al- yep. Although we, we did like first tries and anything, everything, people wanting to invest, we won a competition, and got to meet amazing people through the ASEAN network, through YCLE. But I, I really think what I got out of it was very, very good insights. And also, people like you, right? And in the mm-hmm. team, I, I think our team has gone on to do amazing things, <laughs> really. Nas is now in... Bang Nagara is a data scientist. He's crazy, man. He he, yeah. he took like an extra degree just because he joined Sarab. Like after exactly. he joined Sarab weekend. That, yeah. He, he was saying that that was one of his most pivotal, momentous moments, right? To, to open his eyes to want to go into startups, change his whole career because of that. Got Because of that one one uh, weekend with us, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's 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 also very pivotal for me. I'm, I'm not sure if it's, it's for you. But then we decided like to build it right back then when when we got we gained a little bit of momentum from it. Yep. yep. I want to know a little bit on the thought process where you decide to defer your studies and stay back here in KL <laughs> trying to build it. Oh, I can't believe you still remember that. Sometimes I forget that myself. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think the thing about the US education system is that it's a bit more open right mm-hmm. you can you can take three months off and then you just catch up later on not like the uk where you 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 have to follow their schedule the classes are chosen by the school not by you so the u.s education system gave me that freedom to take three months off so actually i just realized that taking the three months off to work on nom nom the startup actually saved me a bit of money because in the end i still graduated slightly earlier <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I didn't realize that also. So I saved three months of tuition fees because of yeah. that. But really, I thought that, wow, this is a very nice high, right? I think we were all riding on a high. It's like, wow, yep. we are achieving this, achieving that. It's like, wow, this is a whole new thing. What can we do, right? I think we we also did a lot of projections of how many people can join join the app and stuff <laughs> like that. Our deck was amazing. It was really fun, I think, presenting. It is fun. Fun. Yeah, and I think it was a very easy decision to just take three months off. And, and really, until today, I think to me, it was also a very pivotal moment, that which, which made me learn a lot. Lah. I think I learned a lot in that 54 hours, really, because everything was just stressing, very, very stressful. Everything was being pushed to us. It was a great time. Lah. I still find it amazing how, how we can achieve what we achieved in that 54 hours, actually. Like, looking yeah. back... If I, if I were to go to go through that intensity now, like today, mm-hmm. I would probably die. Like like you know. Yeah. Remember we were in this that huge hall, and then remember we were given uh, promo codes to start our website. Remember nom2.co. Yep. It was fun lah, and so many other people. We were just drawing on things. Yeah, I, it was a very fun time looking it is, back. It is, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So if if you were to imagine it right, do you think it would be any different if we have took the sixty thousand investment? I I think. At that point, I feel that I was very naive at that time, mm-hmm. very optimistic. I, I think we all are. <laughs> yeah, we were all very optimistic looking back. So I think if we were to have taken an investment, I think if we were to put in all our effort in, we may have gotten somewhere. But personally for me, at that point in time, I would not have put all my everything in because j- just given how immature I was at that point. <laughs> okay, okay. Because... I, first of all, that that offer is like a really bad offer. Looking back, like yeah. we we knew that it's a bad offer. Yeah. But what I'm often wonders is that if even if it's a bad offer, right? Like if we were just to go into it and go through that bad experience in a sense that 
oh, maybe we build some tractions and, and maybe the investor, you know, pull some sh- bullshit out of that or whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It will be an entirely different experience. Like, that's, that's, that's the only thing I wonder about. Yeah. I think we were deprived of that experience of actually going in with a lot in, in hand, right? Because yep. once once money is part of it, that will take more... It will become more serious. Shit will get real, basically, right? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Cool. So what, what have you done after we decided not to pursue Nom Nom? Yeah, I think right after that, I realized that the biggest thing I did not know about, about the world was business. So mm-hmm. I was actually not a business major at that point. So I switched my major from an art degree to a business degree to understand more on the basics, like the fundamentals of business. Mm-hmm. And that helped me a lot as well to, to have a more in-depth thought process and like case studies of, of how businesses work, especially financially. Mm-hmm. Finance, right? I don't think we, did, we didn't touch anything on finance during our startup weekend days at all. It's all very ballpark figures, like all this rocket sky, yeah. numbers where we're looking at Billions of users or, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Billions of users, millions of users every day, that kind of thing. Yep. Very floaty. Lah. I think after that, understanding it in, in school actually helped a lot to bring me back down to ground. Lah. Okay. So so what do you think is the biggest perspective shift from back then versus now? I think we were sort of riding on a hype. Mm-hmm. I think startups just sort of boomed in Malaysia. This was mm-hmm. like, what, five, six years ago? Was it? 2015, six years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That There was a hype, right? I, I think mm-hmm. there was a term, wanna pruner, is it? Wanna pruner? Yep, yep. Yeah, I feel like I, I personally was in that group of people, like just wanting to start something. Hence why I, I look back and like, I don't think I am I was mature enough to have gone into it. But perspective shift, right? I think that was your question. Mm. I, I think, honestly, I don't think people should start something for the sake of starting. Mm-hmm. If there is something out there already which solves the problem, I would say join that company, right? Or join that 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 rocket ship rather than start something and go against them. Because I think you learn a lot more from others. Because I, I think um, this is what my, my bosses tell me, like, right? Your current bosses? Yeah, my current bosses. Okay. Like, when you make mistakes, you're making mistakes on, on the company. And mm. it's not so painful when you make mistakes on your own. Although now I'm in a family business, the fa- the bis- the family mistakes are my mistakes. But mm-hmm. why why they tell me this is they they wanted me to work outside, right? When when I make mistakes outside in another company, it does not hurt me personally. Yeah, I, I get what it means. Like it's it's more safe environment for us to like trial yeah. and error and with guidance some more. Yeah, with guidance and trial and error. Hence why I, I think that. Really, if you, you're looking to start something, look out there, right? If there's any other solutions out there or companies that are already solving the solution, help them grow. La. <laughs> help them grow. Join that spaceship. I would challenge that, that right? Like, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, I get, I get what you mean. And yep. it's what I'm doing currently as well. I love my current company and, and the culture and so on, right? And it's, it's very comfortable working in a company that you enjoy working in. Mm-hmm. In a sense that, like, because you know there's a safety net, right? Yeah. Like, and, and there's all these benefits providing and, and so on. It's just very different compared to being an entrepreneur where you have to, like, hustle every day, try to, try to save things while they are breaking down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would challenge that in a sense that like, someone who is starting up would probably have these thoughts where, why would I work for someone 
if I think I'm talented, if if I have this brilliant idea, you get、mm. what I mean? I I think it all boils down on the culture,、uh, probably in Malaysia lah, on how、mm. um, businesses are are, are set up.、Uh, a lot of the times, employees will st- stay as employees in Malaysia,、mm. but I think overseas, I mean, even some new companies or startups in Malaysia. If you have something to bring to the table in the small team, equity will will come in, right? Very rare, very very rare in Malaysia,、yep. but I I think it's that that belongingness, right? That having the equity will will give you that 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 power to to make change. I know it's quite difficult to find companies where you join in halfway, right? As a founding member or something like that. But I have seen a, a few companies in Malaysia where it started with two guys, right, or, or two two people, but then、mm-hmm. they they just draw in the best talents. From outside, and then they have equity to be part of the change. It, it's a startup in Malaysia, lah. So, sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's say I'm someone who's starting up, right? Like, and and I think I have a brilliant idea and I have、mm-hmm. talent, right? Why would I work for a company and help them grow instead of building something up myself so that I can earn most of the money myself? Okay, yeah. So so maybe I can ask back this question to you. <laughs>、uh, it's a conversation, lah, right? So let's say, lah, right? Grab has not. Has not done their delivery, their food delivery, and, and you want to start the food delivery on the side. Let's say you were to start a food delivery company, right?、Mm-hmm. I, I feel like if you were to start it, it'll be tough, because like if you're going against a superpower like them, it's either you die a very sad death,、mm-hmm. or they acquire you. <laughs> yep, yep. Right. I'm, I'm talking about this space, lah. This very competitive space, at least food、yep. deliveries and all these logistical、mm-hmm. things now. So, if you could position yourself where you could. Sell to Grab, bring you in as the chief, I don't know, chief officer for the delivery segment. I,、mm. I feel that will give you a lot more things to play around with. Grab has a network, has the money, mentorship, everything in there. But if you just start it yourself, it's man, that's that's gonna be hard. Not not to say it's bad, lah, right?、Mm. Of course, you learn a lot more by yourself.、Mm-hmm. But like looking back at Nom Nom, right? If we were to push through, we, there's a lot of things for us to learn. Yep. <laughs> we don't have resources. We don't have the connections. It's hard to push through. If we were to join like、um, Hungry Go Where or something at that point, right? <laughs> Could have learned a lot of things, get the connections, get the network from the food network, the restaurant network, from there, and then pitch the idea within, or even come out after that, lah. If that makes sense.、Mm. Okay. I mean, this this is my personal perspective, lah. Like my biggest shift from、mm-hmm. wanting to build something myself to now, like I don't think I gave up on. Creating something for myself, I think starting a podcast series, creating content, it's still me trying to build something. But I think for one is self awareness. Like, are you the the one? Like, are you suitable as an entrepreneur? Because exactly, starting a startup is like freaking hard. Like twenty four seven, you are just thinking about a business and how to make it survive, right? Like, to be honest, I don't think many of us qualify as one of them. Definitely.、And It's it's not something like because I think a lot of us get it wrong where oh I have this billion dollar ideas we think that it can make money、mm-hmm. and then we go out and then it just reverse that we we start with the goal of like we want a million users we want a hundred million users and then how we get it we are we are trying to reverse engineer the success of the already success company、mm-hmm. and it's, it's just freaking hard to do that like that is probably my biggest shift. Mm-hmm. That that numbers, the big numbers are difficult to get. <laughs> yeah, like we are, we are we are aiming at Facebook, but we don't know how to get there. You get what I mean? Like、mm-hmm. we want to become the next, you know, whatever Tinder, Facebook,、uh, Instagram. But if 
all this started small and they know what their, their first target audience wanted so that they started small and it's easier to, to grow from there. Mm-hmm. But because of all this hustle porn, because of this success mm-hmm. from, from that's being portrayed from the media, we wanted that that don't know how to get from, you know, all the way from the ground to that number. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, and, I think why I have this perspective now of, of not really basically advocating for if... Uh, because like you said, lah, right? Entrepreneurship is really not for everyone. Some of them will survive. The the, the what's it called? The AA kind would would survive, right? They're very competitive. Mm-hmm. They really just want to go forth. But but it takes a lot of a lot of someone to to start something. It's very not that easy. My perspective came in after um, being mm-hmm. in a family business and running a team, right? I think the people I hired in my team, they are the kind that can start their own thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they will eventually. So I'm looking at it right as a com- as perspective of the management, of the company. Why can't I harness this hunger from them? Mm-hmm. Why can't I have entrepreneurship to to have this space for them to go forward? So, in a company now, I always look at this psychological changes. Like, right? I can tell when they are bored of something. I can tell when they want to do more. And um, we talk about it, right? I'll mm-hmm. allow them to. So, hey, you have any crazy ideas? Just throw it at us. Maybe it can be something. And obviously, a lot of times, it's because of monetary benefits. Like, right? They want to do more and then they want to get more money as well. I mean, that's what it is like, in this world. And I'm allowing that in my, my team and in my company. So because <laughs> from a company's perspective, if we lose all this talent, it's quite sad, right? <laughs> all, all these hung, hungry go-getters, when we lose them, it's really, really sad. So it's really nice to be able to retain them and channel that inwards as well. Hence why my, my perspective of starting something uh, is, is not for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Or it cool. may not be the best for the ecosystem because if there's so much competition, right, mm. all the companies will lose, <laughs> if that makes sense. Because everyone's just fighting for price, right? The, the cheapest, the most affordable service wins. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. And also, I think it's not... We are, I think I don't think we are discouraging people to start no, or becoming yeah. an entrepreneur. I think after all these years, personally, I just think that you know, starting somewhere, maybe working for someone else, may may be a better idea so that you can accumulate like resources, network, experiences until there is this one opportunity that comes and you, you put everything into it. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yep. Cool. So I'll circle back from you working with your team later. For now, I want to talk a little bit about like right after Nom Nom, right? So you went back to, to studies and later on you started another company that's building like camera accessories, right? It's called mm-hmm. Yep, yep. What happened with that journey? Yeah, so that was set up for, for a few reasons, right? At that mm-hmm. point in my life, I thought I was going to be in the US, in the States for life because, you know, startup capital of the world, at that point at least, is, was at Silicon Valley, Hollywood, right? They, mm-hmm. they dramatize and, and make everything look better in the States. But later on, I realized that media does play a big part in propaganda, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being there myself made me realize that it's really not that much better than Malaysia. Huh. Why? So... Simple, right? I was in a co-working space which was in the Twitter building itself in downtown San Francisco. I would have thought, you know, wow, Twitter, right? Yep, <laughs> Huge yep. company and was right next to a square. Or same CEO, they have the same CEO. I would think that it would be nice, beautiful, you know, but then 
I, I was there until like 2 a.m. every night because that's when the last train runs. So I was there until 2 a.m. When I come down outside from the building, I see homeless people in every corner. When the wind blows, you smell pee. Mm. When you step on something hard, it's a needle that's used for drugs. Oh, wow. It, yeah, the disparity is huge. Um, the train system there sucks in San Francisco. So I, I realized that this is not the, the sort of culture I thought it would be. Like. This is not where I want to raise my children in a place where it's quite dangerous, right? Guns are everywhere. I have seen people get shot as well. It was a guy bleeding wow. in the middle of the street. He got shot through the car. Luckily, I was, I was, uh, I was in the house, lah, but I, I was looking out. So all these things are pretty normal there. And I, I really see Malaysia as a much better place, much safer place. I think the only thing that Silicon Valley has, the upper hand is obviously talent. Because yep. because of all this propaganda, right? Because yep, everyone wants to go there. Exactly, everybody wants to go there. But I think now it's a much open world. I think Asia is where it is at now, lah. And uh, mm. M- Malaysia, that's where we're at. I, I feel like Malaysia is can be a, a a great a great country for anything for startups and everything. Oh, interesting. So if I remember it correctly, you went you even went into like manufacturing process, right? Like you look for factories yep. and, and and all. What happened there? And and what, what is the reason you stopped doing it? That was one of the funnest experiences I've had. Yeah, um, I actually enjoyed it much when you're sharing it on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could do that again for something else in the future. I'm a banana. I can't speak Chinese. I can't speak Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know this. <laughs> yep, I, I just messaged someone from a few people from China. I was like, hey, can I visit your factory? And also, I, I did some prototypes with them, right? So yeah, going to China by myself, I was there for two weeks, of which 10 days I was alone by myself. Just navigating, right? Using Google Translate, using VPNs going through like villages of China to, to to learn about manufacturing. It was a, still a very fun experience, I feel. But then I realized, uh, what I realized was that, why am I trying so hard to be in the US? <laughs> okay. When this can be done anywhere else in the world where everything is cheaper. Uh, this is, so this is when you are based in San Francisco? Yeah, um, yeah. Looking to manufacture. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So at that point, I still wanted to be in the US, right? Of course, some things happened that made me want to come back to Malaysia. Maybe we'll get into that after this. Sure. Yeah, but essentially, I questioned myself, why Why am I trying so hard to be in the States, right? What What does the US have above everyone else? Because let's say if I were to go on Kickstarter, right? Mm-hmm. People don't really care where it's built. Uh, maybe yep. design or whatever. Everything is made in China anyway. It's much cheaper to have to have a company in Malaysia or Thailand or Vietnam or China, right? And, and sell it towards the world rather than have a high operating cost in, in the US. So so at which stage do you stop at? Like the manufacturing or do you eventually went into the manufacturing process? Yeah, we manufacture prototypes, but we didn't go into creating it because what happened was that personal issues. What happened was that my dad suffered a stroke. He's fine now, but he suffered a stroke and he also got prostate cancer. But he's fine now. But but that uh, was the turning point for me lah, to realize that parents are not getting any younger. And if I spend my, my, my years, my early years, which is their late years of 70 to 80, not being with them, I will probably regret this a lot in the future. I've, so is that the reason why you decided to come back? That was the main reason. Even though I was given the 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 opportunity to stay in the US for good, right? Mm. I had the proper documentation. I realized that my parents are not getting younger. Someone has to take the rein. No one was was going to be the second gen executive in the company. Mm. And yeah, they, there was no end in sight for them, right? They were just going to work until they die. 
and I was born in this family with the company already set up because it's a 47 year old company I'm nowhere mm. near that age mm. I was I've always been uh, wanting to take over it but then after going to the US I thought that hey I want to be there instead but then I realized that you know sometimes family matters um, family matters a lot uh, when you see them suffer mm. okay. thanks for sharing that though <laughs> yeah but I also realize this because a lot of the second generation family business owners that I know now mm-hmm. a lot of them were forced to take over the business because their their father just passed away and I realized I don't want this to happen to me right where I only take over when someone passes away I don't think that's a very good thing to do so I'm a bit younger than most of them so why not just go ahead and start now rather than later yep. so talking about that right is is it an expectation to because I'm not in a family business, so yep. like just try to get from that perspective. Right? Is it an expectation for parents to like think like, oh, this is a business that I'll, I'm going to pass to my children. If not, it's just going to die with me. What is the general sentiment about family business in Malaysia? Yeah, I think most family businesses, most Asian family businesses, they don't really think of succession planning. Honestly, family businesses is basically, let's say you start a startup now, right? What are you going to do with it after 50 years when you are dying? I think with our knowledge, at least we will have some sort of succession planning to give to the next executive. It doesn't have to be family. Yep. But yeah, back then, they were not taught how to have succession planning. It's a small, medium in enterprise. Lah. So it's big, but not too big where you can hire consultants, hire people to tell you what to do. Mm. <laughs> like companies like YTL and stuff like that. They're, they're, they're too big to fail, right? They have experts coming in to, to, to diversify for them. But for small, medium industries, people like, you know, people running the hardware store down your street, people that are running a kopitiam, right? They usually don't have succession planning. I've seen very successful case where the youngsters takes over and rebrand it and make yeah. it brand. Yeah, I, I find, I think during this MCO, that happened quite a bit. I see a lot of younger people taking on all this sort of boring businesses, like chicken rice shops, right? I see younger people cut chopping my chicken rice now <laughs> <laughs> because they have to survive, basically. Yeah, yeah. I'm really happy to see that lah, the second generation coming in or even third generation. Yeah, the sentiments for family businesses is that they don't really have a backup plan. Um, I was not forced into it, right? They never forced me to come back, but I realized it, it's a waste. It's a waste to just throw everything away. There is a platform for me to to sort of springboard forward or even fail, right? That's, it can go both, go both ways. I want to come back to this later. Going back to like all this experience with startup, right? What do you think is the single best lesson you learned from building a startup? <laughs> I think MVP. I think the term MVP is 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 amazing, right? For for big businesses to to the concept of having a minimum viable product is to go is, to go in light to experiment and and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To start small, I think a lot of big businesses or like family businesses. The biggest thing now is to digitalize, right? Go e-commerce and stuff like that. I feel like a lot of them are afraid to go through it because they may think like, okay, a lot of cost involved. You need to employ new manpower and stuff like that. But if you look at it from an MVP perspective, you don't really have to start big, right? You can start with very, very minimal cost. You don't lose anything. And that concept of MVP, I think is very good to be replicated in any medium-sized to big business. Yeah, adding on to that, I think I like this one concept that I adopted mm-hmm. being an entrepreneur or building our own startup is to be resourceful. Yep. Like you don't have to have all the money. You don't even have to have money, but you have to be resourceful. Mm-hmm. Like 
it's I like how I look at things nowadays, right? Like when I want to start something, like for example, starting this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think about it as like, oh, I need a studio, I need recording advice, I need, you know, editing software and so on. I just go online, look at all the free options, and start putting it together and test it out. So, exactly, yeah. So, so I think it's the same similar concept, right? We can just use whatever we have to start a podcast now. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah, same thing with businesses. You really don't need to spend millions of dollars to test something out, right? You can do A-B testing on a product just by running like 100 ringgit worth, 100 ringgit worth of ads online and check if the sentiments, if people would want to purchase a product or service like that. Yep. Okay, so looking back, what do you think is the biggest factor for a startup to be successful? Or maybe just a company? Mm, wow, that's a big question. <laughs> that's a huge question. I think I recently realized is that, and also a lot of startups discount this fact, right? Mm-hmm. You you need to be able to make money in the future. <laughs> profitability. Profitability, yes. Fro- profitability is very important. Coming into a, a family business, right? It really is all about dollars and cents. Mm-hmm. It's all about bringing in more money, getting more money than the money you put in, basically. Yep. yep. Profit lah. Yep. I feel like a lot of startups don't have that in mind. They're like, okay, I want to get ten thousand users. Mm. Now, how do we make money? I think a lot of people will fall back down to ads, right? While ads may be always the backup plan, but I don't think it's the best plan. So in family businesses too, right? Making money at the end of the day. Like for me, previously, when I first joined, I was making, doing things that were not very, did not bring in revenue. Let's let's Mm -hmm. take it that. It was basically doing the website, Mm -hmm. digital marketing, getting some leads and inquiries. But that did not uh, directly bring in cash. Leads are great, but what happens when the when the salesperson take over the leads? I don't know. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, is really how do we make money? So uh, in the company right now, I'm doing a lot of B two C B two C products, and mm-hmm. it's very it's a very nice KPI lah to have money coming in. <laughs> yep, yep. I so, like that because I think like the hype, the whole hype of creating a billion dollar business is just like oh getting more and more and more people so that you have to raise money to sustain and so on i think more and more case studies just shows that profitability is is like the nature of business if your business is not making money it's not a business exactly it's not called a business you're just getting people to download your app i can spend you i mean you can get someone to throw in 10 million ringgit and you yep. get 10 you get you just pay everyone 10 ringgit to download the app you're gonna get a lot of users <laughs> but it's not making money right <laughs> at the end of the day so yeah Startups and businesses, yeah, I think they have to realize that lah. Like even for this podcast, right? Moving forward, what what is the profit to be? I'm sure you have something in line, but I feel like a lot of people to that start all these kind of things don't realize what they're gonna do in the future. It could be a pet project. Yep. yep. Yeah, it, it's fun, right? Talking to people. I think understanding perspective. Sure. I, I think How, it's about objective lah. Like, it cannot be a business. It can be like like you said, right? A pet project. Mm-hmm, but then, mm-hmm. if I want to rely on this as uh, income, then it, eventually it has to become a business. It have, eventually you have to make money. Yeah, eventually you have to, you have to sustain yourself too, right? Yep. <laughs> cool. So, all, like, after all this about startup, right, do you think it's worth the hype? Do you think, like, you know, going through all this hustling, uh, do you think it's worth it? I think coming from my perspective, it, it's definitely worth learning lah. I learned a lot from everyone, right? From you, from the team, from everyone around us. I learned a lot from books and stuff like that and how startups work, right? I, I'm really actually really interested 
mm-hmm. um, in trying to find a middle ground between startups and normal businesses, traditional businesses. Like Beepit, right? Beepit is a startup. What's that? Storehub. Have you heard of yes. Storehub? Yeah. Yes, yes. So Storehub and Beepit. Beepit is part of Storehub, right? Yep. So they are a startup, but they are helping traditional businesses to, to sell their food online and also creating jobs for riders. I, I think it's a very nice intersection of how startups and traditional businesses can work. So like for me, for my business, how can I work with startups, right? How can I harness all this hyper growth or, or young young talent uh, to grow my company without starting something myself? Okay, interesting. So coming back to you, you going back to the family business, mm-hmm. can you tell a little bit more about like how, what's the process of you deciding to go back? Yeah, so really it was it was really because of of seeing my parents getting older and they have nothing to fall back to meaning they have no successor i just decided that hey someone has to take it right someone has to take this role and i took it but obviously this was three years ago mm-hmm. but half in the middle halfway arguments obviously disagreements and everything which actually brought me off track every once in a while mm-hmm. so then i actually sat my parents down and i told them lah right the reason why i'm pushing the reason why i'm trying all these things and arguing with you is all for one end goal. And that end goal was to retire them. So after that conversation, it actually loosened up a lot of things, right? They understand where I'm coming from. They understand why I'm pushing them. They understand why I'm challenging them all the time. So that has been my North Star, my guiding star in everything I'm doing now. is giving back, lah, giving back to what they have given me. So, some people may not have this opportunity where they're in a family business. I see a lot of people not wanting to take the opportunity to. They don't want to be in a family business. So I'm still trying to understand how others are doing it. Why are they not taking over? I understand some of them, really parents are hard to deal with. Once they're in there, they just get screamed out of the company. But yeah, my decision was really just one thing. I really wanted to retire my parents. Got it. At any point of time, right, have you thought of like, why don't you just sell the business and retire? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was their plan to sell it. But but obviously legacy I think is very important in Asian cultures, right? Even like Chinese cultures of of I don't know, like yesterday was a uh, Chaw Chaw right? Yes. Day. All these traditions, right? Um they, you don't want it to die because it's quite fun. So <laughs> same <Yeah. laughs> same thing with family businesses, right? It's tradition, right? They started it and they just want continuation. Legacy is is, is something that cannot really be described. Lah. It's it's some sort of ego. Is the pride, some ego involved? <laughs> yeah, yeah. To to run a multi generational business is difficult. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So so what is the biggest difference? I think in startups, let's say you have investors, your stakeholders are they, they understand how startups work, right? Where mm-hmm. you may have to lose money in the beginning to gain traction in the future. Say for in startup for investors, you show them uh TAM, right? Total addressable market, how many users want to get, your ROI down the road, how much money you spend, they will Understand it, analyze it. It's like, okay, this is a good idea. Please go ahead with your next investment or like your next venture. Yep. Family businesses, not so clear. You can tell them the best bloody idea you have to make 10 times the amount of money. They will not buy it because they don't understand it. <laughs> and it's hard yeah, for them to understand it. <laughs> I think the language and also maybe ego in a sense that I Definitely. am more experienced than you. I know better. Definitely, Yes. Definitely, is ego involved? Doing things that they don't understand. Because I think you have to understand your stakeholders. It's not very much different from any other business, right? Understanding your stakeholders, your shareholders, and basically making them happy. 
So in a family business, making them happy does not mean you make them happy by bringing in revenue. Making them happy may mean making them happy over the weekend, right? Because you live with them. So outside of work now becomes part of work. Yeah. You, if you want to get something done at work, you may have to do some things outside of work. Yeah, I, I think it's it's more like lobbying, and because yeah. you are family, <laughs> the the way it's like the lob the the method to lobby them is a bit different. Very different, yeah, very different. You just have to make them happy. I I feel <laughs> interesting and so, give them trust. <laughs> so I would assume this is the thing that you find most rewarding. Going back to the family business. It's it's a really a double double edged sword. Mm. It can get tiring sometimes, but then when I look back, it's like this is also very nice lah to have a lot of family time. Nice. Because before I start my own family, I would want to spend most of my time with them as well. Cool. So coming back to working with like a young team, right? Like mm-hmm. you are young as well. So yep. how is it like leading a young team at a young age? Yeah, yeah. So what I realized was that so my team is pretty young mm-hmm. between the age of. 25 to 29 mm-hmm. yeah so very small variation what i realized is that while they are young they may not have the same mindset and, and thought processes uh, like us right me and you mm-hmm. i think we are in in a similar bubble i feel where we are reading the same things uh, surrounding yourself with the same people similar people and we might think that everyone out there is like that but really that's not the case even though they're of same age very different thought processes after going into a, a more traditional mm-hmm. business, you re- I'll realize that, hey, I really have to go into different markets, right? For example, the Malay market is huge. You can never discount the Malay market because that is still the majority of Malaysia. Yep. So so how do we how do we go with that, right? You just have to learn, right? Employ the right people, employ the people who are in those markets. And they have they cannot be the same like us, right? Mm-hmm. They have to be Diversified, and my team is really diverse. Diverse, but I think, in terms of startup knowledge and stuff, is they may not have it, right? They might not have it because they they were not exposed to this like how we are. Yep. But they have a lot more knowledge regarding the majority of Malaysia, <laughs> if that makes sense. The target market itself. No? The target market itself is very different. You really have to be in it to understand it, kind of thing. Yep. Yep. So mm-hmm. touching on on this like young team, right? Like just out of curiosity. Are they uh, graduates from college and universities? Like, what is the point of view, right? Like, must must we go through that <laughs> education process, you know, in order to be working with Brian? I think the Western media has taught me to not look at certifications. Okay. <laughs> and it has been true like, when, I was, I'm, when, when I'm hiring now. Mm. I honestly don't know who has a degree or who has, doesn't have a degree in my team. Very interesting. I, I honestly don't know now. You ask me if he has a degree, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but they are getting pay that uh, is off with degree. La. But when I'm hiring them, I'm just looking at their, hung- their hunger. Right? Are they the type that would want to learn new things? Are they the type that would challenge me? So while my team is very diverse, they are still very unified in their culture. Right? They are always happy. They're always loud. They're very noisy. But that's good, right? Con- communication is important. So yeah, I, I really don't think that degrees matter these days. Because you can learn so much more outside if you want to learn, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that's the I thing. Most of the skills that I employ right now, it's not has nothing to do with my college education. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I've learned so much more outside of college from, yep. from yep. uni. I learned so much more from, from everyone, right? From pod, listening to podcasts, listening from Clubhouse even. I learned so much more from, from the books <laughs> sometimes, right? In yeah. university, yeah. Yeah, like resources and, and information is just available everywhere. Like I think this is also 
the part of being resourceful as an entrepreneur yes that taught me right like go get it almost everything is available for free out there yeah yeah either yeah. you go get it or you know you wait for it exactly exactly if you can find i mean where there's a will there's a way right and being resourceful now is very important because you just have to find the use the right keywords uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah google search is like a 21st century must-have skill yes no kidding <laughs> really yeah and i realized a lot of the older people in my company does not know how to use that to their advantage yeah, yeah. yeah. so diving a little bit deeper on on hiring talents right how do you know they have the hunger like how do you know they are hungry or driven yeah. how do you identify that mm-hmm. of course i've made mistakes as well uh, hiring mm-hmm. I've, i've hired people who i had to let go really not the easiest thing to do or hire people who just left but i i think it's the questions you ask And also, it's really hard to teach people how to like look at you know body language and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think through experience, of course, there are, there are ways you can read up on it, lah. Mm-hmm. But through experience, you you will see who are the people that would be hungry. I think people who communicate a lot usually have that. Or so, so some of the questions I ask, lah. Okay, mm-hmm. are who are your closest friends? So I would ask them, who are your closest five? five friends that you hang out with. I think that says a lot about their personality because mm-hmm. you are the average of your five friends, right? Mm-hmm. So that's one question I always ask. I also ask what they do during free time if they uh, are trying new skills all the time. So so that's that's an indicator, lah, right? Can creating a podcast make the list? Of course, of course. <laughs> starting anything, right? Starting anything is <laughs> is a good trait to have. Even sports, right? Sports yep. would, would show that you are competitive. Uh, yep. You're a go-getter. Yeah. All this very non-academic stuff are very important, I feel. Cool. So so if you were to choose again, would you go back to the family business earlier? Probably not. I don't regret anything that I've done in the past. I've learned mm-hmm. a lot. I learned what I shouldn't do and what I should do. What I would ask for is probably to have more experience outside. Maybe even joining a family business later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. So I don't have that time of experiment outside before I can come in. So I just have to make do with what I have lah. So I I learn a lot from experiences from my friends who are in other business uh, other companies not family businesses so I learn from them a lot how they structure how how departments are structured and everything <laughs> I learn from them yeah okay cool do you foresee being with firefighter as your lifetime career from now on and and what would your plan be with firefighter yeah yeah I think one thing that a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize is that. Sometimes you have to go into the very boring industries. Like for me, right, fire safety is boring as heck. Mm-hmm. It's very traditional, very boring. But there's huge opportunities because no one else is in this space. I feel like entrepreneurs would want to go into the next hot thing, right? Yep. And that's tough because then everyone, all the smart guys are also doing the same thing. <laughs> yep. They're competing with the, the top boys, right? Why not just go to a very boring industry like, you know, DIY stores? Like That's how Mr. DIY came out from nowhere, lah, right? Yep, yep. Because it's so decentralized, right? Other the, uh, hardware stores, everyone is on their own. But then now they have a unified brand that's doing more than just hardware. Going into the boring industries, I think, is pretty fun because the small things that you change to you, the things that you think are small, are a huge change in the industry. Like mm-hmm. we were the first to be on any e-commerce platform. Uh, we were on Lazada about six, seven years ago. It may not seem like a big thing for for other companies, but for our industry, it's a big thing. Having a website cleaned up. Again, very simple things for startups to do, right? But in this industry, is not. <laughs> no one cared about their website. Selling fire stations online, right? Uh, from our website, not many people do it. I think we're still the only one doing it right now. I think my biggest takeaway from experience is, you know, it's better to be opportunity driven 
Yes. Than wanting to do that sexy thing. Exactly. Yeah, but people want to 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 go for the sexy thing, right? <laughs> yeah, but be, like it's hard. Like you just have to compete the space with everyone else. Yeah, I I think one example I can think of was during our alpha startups. Mm-hmm. Right, there was a company doing cake delivery. Yep, eat cake today, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. At that point in time, I thought this is boring. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but look at where they are now. <laughs> yeah, man. They, yeah. they, they sold it to Papa Rich or something. Oh, I didn't know that. Accident. Wow. It's, it's it's yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah, you see, right? I think at that point it was boring, but that the, the person leading it was way ahead, miles ahead of us to do something yeah. that was not um, obvious to us at that point. Yeah. That, that is why, like, because recently I'm reading The $100 Startup. Yes. It oh. just, yeah, it just resonates a lot where, because the book, like, tells a lot about, like, you know, starting small, looking at values, providing yes. values, and helping people. Yeah, I think, right. I think that is, like, what our perspective is right now where we look at things in more boring way but also in a sense that it's like more opportunities uh, opportunists yes yes i think that is something that a lot of people don't look at they want to just go for the sexy things yeah and yeah the hundred dollar book the hundred dollar startup i think that's a really good book as well that that book was uh, guided me through a lot of uh, times cool. yeah. so so what's your plan like do you have any exciting projects coming up with uh fighter yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I think fire safety is still very not much a topic that people talk about, right? Mm-hmm. Fires still happen every day. 4,000 cars catch on fire every, every year. Day? Uh, oh, every okay. year. So that's every two hours a fire gets burned, burned up. But every 24 minutes, a fire breaks out in Malaysia. So just looking at data, right? It's, it's still, there's still a lot of work to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like people think that fire safety is a public good, right? The bomber yep. will come and save you. Yep. But it's, it's definitely a joint effort. Recently, there was one of our customers uh, sent us pictures of him saving his neighbor's house. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, oh, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So, like, people don't realize, let's say you're living in a condo or even a, 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 a attached house, right? If your neighbor yep. house, neighbor's house catch on fire, you'll get affected too. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Just last week, there was a car on fire in Bangsa and his car got caught on flames, but it affected seven other cars okay. next to it. Loss. Yeah, a lot of loss. So what, what I'm trying to do right now is really, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel, wheel or anything, but I still feel like awareness is still a huge thing. Um, would you would you come up with like sexy fireman <laughs> calendar? <laughs> that, that's definitely something uh, that would get people talking. Lah. What we're doing now is basically collaborating with a lot of um, players in the market, right? We are working with a this one work, car workshop company soon because they have, they have the, the database, they have followers and, and, and customers that have been following them for years. So we will collaborate together, right? They jump into our market and we jump into their market. Same thing we did with International Circuit, right? We both have, have our own strengths. Working together, it it, it helped us both, right? They, they win by having our products and services on their track. So they people know that if a fire does happen, they are safe. And then we get to ride on with automotive, right? So now people in the automotive space would know about us and then we can collaborate a lot of things we can be done so i think collaborations is a is the way to go right for them yeah cool right so at the end is there anything you'd like to plug (laughs) not really lah i think i want to plug this podcast Mm -hmm. i think i think the the two cents is very very an interesting space i feel it's more of a conversation right we're all learning from each other i've learned a lot from you too sean from your journey from your decisions i've been 
been uh, creeping behind and seeing your next steps and everything. I'm, oh, really... I'm the one who is creeping behind and seeing you. <laughs> no, like, I'm really, I'm really glad to, to see you experimenting and finding a home in a lot of places as well. Yep, yep. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for the, the plug. I'll definitely include it in the podcast. <laughs> no, no, really, really, I'm really, really happy that I think the whole team is doing something. Everyone's doing something really amazing, I feel. <laughs> it, is, it is. I'm still amazed on seeing everyone right now. Like, it, it is truly like a power team. Everyone is just amazing. I really think so too. It was really the power team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So thank you very much for joining me in this episode. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot from you as well. And thank- mm-hmm. hopefully we can catch up physically soon yes 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 and and really thank you for having me i think it's a nice conversation to have it's, it's sort of like a little catch up between us yep. as well yeah but see you we'll see you in real life soon cool cool take care man all right take care man 